We covered the Lord as the last Adam. He's called Adam. He's called Advocate. And those are blessed studies, but we've got to move on and keep going. And tonight, two titles spring out of one verse, two names, starting in the same place. Revelation chapter number 1. Revelation chapter 1. And we'll read together starting at verse number 4 so that we have the context. Revelation 1. Verse 4, we'll be reading from a Bible that's without error. The, uh, the preacher has error in his life, and the hearers have error in their lives, but the Bible is without error. And so we come for the purpose of letting the Bible correct us. We don't come to correct the Bible. We come to let the Bible correct us, and I know that it'll do that tonight if uh, the Lord has His way. Father, bless Your Word to our hearts tonight, we pray. Uh, use it in our lives. and. Uh, may you be honored by our response to what we, uh, what we see in the Bible this evening. We pray these things in Jesus' most precious and holy name. Amen. All right, Revelation 1-4, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you in peace from him which is, which was, and which is to come. And from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth. Now, in the course of our study, we're going to see witness is a name for Jesus. Faithful is a name for Jesus. Resurrection is a name for Jesus. Begotten is a name for Jesus. Prince is a name for Jesus. King is a name for Jesus. It's all about Him. It's all about Him. How, how anybody could, could boast or brag or be conceited or have an ego uh, when they've spent any time at all considering Jesus be a great mystery. And what else did he do? Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And amen is a name of Jesus in the Bible. We'll see that uh, later in our study. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of Him, even so, amen. Lord's coming back, and most people on the earth won't like it. And those that know Him and love Him say, even so, amen. We don't care if you like it or not. Come on, Jesus, take over. We're excited about it. Behold, He come with the clouds. All right, verse number 8, I am. That's another name for the Lord. We'll study later. I am Alpha, there we go. And Omega, I don't know what that means. The beginning and the ending. There you go. Saith the Lord, which is, and which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. So you got two names of Jesus in this verse. He is the Alpha, and He is the Almighty. That's Jesus Christ. Now, look carefully. In verse number 4, you have grace be unto you and peace from Him. And then verse 5, and from Jesus Christ. The end of verse 4, and from the seven spirits, capital S. So you have the Father and the Word and the Holy Ghost. Father, the Son, the Spirit. And Jesus looks on and the Spirit looks on as God the Father is called Him which is and which was and which is to come. Then verse number 8. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. So clearly, both the Father and the Son can say of themselves, they are, they were, they shall be. And just as surely as the Father is Almighty God, so the Son, Jesus Christ the Lord, is Almighty God. He is God possessing all might. He is God possessing all power. Saved people, saved people need to bring their hearts to the place where they believe that Jesus Christ is the Almighty. Saved people need to adjust their thinking so that they recognize God as the Almighty. Now, now that's who He is. Whether He's acknowledged as such or not, that's who He is. Now, I'm, I'm telling you, this is how I spend my week. I spend my week hearing saved people who are in a panic 
or who are, are, are about to, to, to do something crazy because they have a problem in their life, but they don't have an almighty God. They have a difficulty in a relationship, but they don't have an almighty God. They have a sin uh, habit, but they don't have an almighty God. Look, I know there are things that happen in our lives that are disappointing. There are things that happen in our lives that are depressing. There are things that happen in our lives that are overwhelming. But is there not an almighty God in your life to whom you could turn? I I don't see the response of saved people indicative of a belief that Jesus Christ is almighty. They talk and act as though their habits are almighty and God can't do anything about it. Their, their nature is almighty and, and God can't help them. Their problems are almighty and there's nothing God could do about it. I'm telling you, He was the almighty and He is the almighty and He always will be the almighty. Stop living like He is powerless to do anything about the situations and circumstances of your life. He is almighty. Brother Dan said for we sang one of the songs tonight, that we can worship God even in times of trouble. Not if our God's not almighty. If our troubles are of greater might than God, we lose our song. We lose our confidence. We lose our joy. I'm telling you, God is almighty. Save people gather in their, in their church buildings and they, and they congregate in their hallways and parking lots before and after church services and they, they type messages on their electronic devices and, and you would think that, that China is almighty or Syria is almighty or Islam is almighty or the NSA is almighty or Obama is almighty. Why all the time and energy that is spent by saved people giving power and majesty and strength and glory to puny little specks of dust that God will sweep away in a moment of time indicates that we don't understand He is the Almighty. He was. He is. He is to come. That can't be said of any pope. That can't be said of any president. That can't be said of any prophet. That can't be said of any preacher. That can't be said of any of us here tonight. We are temporal, fleeting, little beings whose lives are but a vapor, who are cut down in a day as the grass of the field, who wither away and die and are never heard from again. But the same God who created the heavens and the earth has not weakened in His strength. He has not lost any of His ability. Nobody has robbed Him of any of His power. He is tonight the Almighty. I I would encourage you, Christian... To put as much confidence in God Almighty as you do in an unsaved shrink. Put as much confidence in God Almighty as you do in an internet news site. Put as much trust in God Almighty as you do medicine. Put enough trust and as much trust in God Almighty as you do the friends you run to to tell them about every upset and every problem and everything you're not happy about. How about God? God could help you with that bitterness if you'd let Him be the Almighty. God could help you with that lust if you'd let Him be the Almighty. God could help you with that temper if you'd let Him be the Almighty. God could help you with that fear if you'd let Him be the Almighty. God, listen, in the the reality of our lives, God is a pipsqueak. In the actual outworking of our thoughts, in the actual conduct of our day... God is powerless to do anything about what's going on around us. That is not so. He's the Almighty. You got a wife that's no good, so does he. You got children that are rebels, so does he. You got a church with some problems in it, so does he. Why would you run to anybody else who doesn't know how to help you when you could run to the one who's been dealing with what you're dealing with for 2,000 years and doeth all things well? He's the Almighty. He wrote in his Bible, Comfort the Feeble-Minded. You don't think he can help you with your thought problems? 
He wrote in his Bible how the Spirit can overcome the flesh. Why are you running everywhere else for help? He is the Almighty. Well, I know God can help with some things, but you don't understand my problem. No, I don't understand your problem, and neither do the other people you're talking to about it. God does. Why don't you go to Him? Why is the last resort the one with the power? Why is the last place we turn the place where we can really get some help? People call, they write, they email, they text message. They say, uh, uh, Preacher, I'd like to talk to you. And, and the first answer is, have you talked to God? Have you told God everything you're going to tell me? Have you gotten a scriptural answer from God to everything you're about to ask me? Why would you consult a preacher when you haven't consulted God? Why would you look for another answer when you've gotten an answer from the Bible? God's Almighty. You know what's going to happen in the Middle East? Just exactly what the Bible says is going to happen in the Middle East. You know what's going to happen in Washington, D.C.? Just exactly what the Bible says is going to happen in Washington, D.C. You know what's going to happen to your life? Just exactly what the Bible says. He's Almighty. People think God had power until science started psychoanalyzing people. And now God doesn't have any power to help you because there's all these new stuff we found out that God didn't know anything about when He wrote the Bible. He's Almighty. People think God had power back when men fought with bows and arrows, but now they got airplanes and bombs. We've got to come up with something else besides God. He is the Almighty. He was the Almighty, He is the Almighty, and He always will be the Almighty. We've got to change our thinking. Our God's, our God's not big enough. We've asked Jesus to be our Savior, but He's small. He's, he's too small for our heartaches. He's too small for our burdens. He's too small for our upsets. He's too small for our heartbreaks. So we turn everywhere but God. And when we've turned everywhere but God and things don't work out, we say, well, God sure didn't help me. You never gave Him a chance. All right. That's a little preaching. Let's let's get some Bible study. Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. Do you have a God or do you have God Almighty? Do you have a Savior or do you have a mighty Savior? Isaiah chapter 9, and the Bible says here in verse number 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. When the dust settles at Mecca, the government will be on his shoulders. When, when the ashes have fallen on Beijing, the government will be upon his shoulders. When they've run out of marches to have in Washington, D.C., the government will be on his shoulders. When the U.N. has ceased meeting, the government will be upon his shoulders. So how can that be? Keep reading. And his name should be called Wonderful. Counselor. Who's your Counselor. The Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of His government and peace, there shall be no end. He's the Mighty God. Hey, George Washington came to an end. Abe Lincoln came to an end. FDR came to an end. Pope John the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three came to an end. Muhammad Ali, the religious one, came to an end. Muhammad Ali, the boxer, well, he's nearing the end. Train's about to pull in the station. I'm telling you, whoever it is, you think is going to run this world. Whoever it is you think is going to have power, they are headed for a hole in the ground. 
And this one that was born in a manger at Bethlehem forever and forever and forever will prove himself to be the mighty God. Stop worrying about what man is going to do and watch what God is going to do. Stop fearing what men are up to and look at what the Lord is up to. Our Savior is not a baby laying in a manger. He's the mighty God. We don't think that way. We need to think that way. Our hearts don't incline that way. We need to incline our hearts that way. He is the mighty God. How strong is your God tonight? How powerful is your God tonight? How, how able is your God tonight? Is your, is your God, look, He's the mighty God. Is He stronger than, than nicotine addiction? Well, I tried these patches and they didn't work. And I, I tried these uh, artificial cigarettes and they didn't work. And, I, you know, I tried meditation, that didn't work. What got hypnotized, that didn't work. Have you tried the mighty God? Or is he just somebody you leave at church? I, I, I guess, I mean, everybody's different, I suppose. I guess that you can sit in church for years and then suddenly develop this, this overwhelming craving for beer. It seems to happen. Now, when you get this overwhelming craving for beer, what would you do? You profess to be saved. Would you seek beer or would you seek the mighty God? Would you find some beer drinking friends who say they're saved? Or would you find the mighty God? Would you say once you become addicted, and would you call yourself an alcoholic when the Bible calls you a drunkard? Would you call yourself having fun when the Bible says you're uh, making a fool of yourself? What about the mighty God? Well, I just can't quit. Of course you can't. What about the mighty God? Young man, grown man, old man, is there something inside you that makes you push the buttons on the mouse that take you to filthy places in the world wide web? I just can't help myself. Of course you can't. You never could. Do you have a God? Is he a mighty God or can you shove him in the drawer till you're done surfing the net? I'm telling you, that one that was born in the manger at Bethlehem is more powerful than Christians allow him to be. He could conquer what you can't conquer. He could deliver you from what you can't deliver yourself. He could give you victories where you've never had victories before. He is the Almighty. But we act as though He's just one more pill bottle in the cabinet. I'll try two of these and two of these and two of these. And on Sunday, I'll try one of those God pills. I think He's greater than that. He's the Almighty. I know people, and you talk people, and they say, well, you know, I, I, people say, well, they say they're, they're bipolar. I've got a bad concordance, I guess. My concordance doesn't list any verses with that in it. Well, my shrink said, you mean you're atheistic, evolution-believing, Bible-rejecting, Hollywood-loving shrink said... I'm bipolar, I'm HDD, I'm ADD, I'm six or seven other things they haven't even invented yet. And I have been. I had so much HDD that my father had to give me regular treatments. You went from unable to sit still to unable to sit. There wasn't a boy in my class that knew how to concentrate. But in every classroom, there was a board of education. Now listen, God, whatever you were diagnosed with, God is almighty. If he was, if he was mightier 
than leprosy. He's mightier than moods. If he was mightier than, than death, if he could raise people from the dead, he could raise you up from a pity party. We just don't let God be God. He's a doctrine. He's a theory. He's a collection of verses. But he is not a present almighty God in the day-to-day circumstances of our lives. He wants to be. He needs to be. I'm not minimizing the, 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 the trouble that comes into the heart when the doctor says it's cancer. I'm not minimizing the sadness that comes into the home when, when grandma's only got a few weeks to live. But why do we have to send God on a vacation when trouble comes? Is He not able to sail through those storms with us rather than waiting on the far shore till we get there? He's Almighty. Psalm 20, uh, Job, let's go to Job 36. Job 36. Job chapter 36. Job 36. Behold, God is mighty and despiseth not any. He is mighty in strength and wisdom. You ever need strength? Now, now let's, let's, suppose, let's suppose you're here tonight and your problem is just the opposite. Your problem is not that you ignore God or neglect God or, or underestimate or disrespect God. Your problem is you've got a little uh, different view on this thing. Why should God help me? Now, I'll grant you, if, if, I was your, if I was your life coach down at the, at the smoking factory, the AA meeting, and every time you came in, you said, uh, Hi, I'm anonymous. I've been sober since this afternoon. And next week you came in and said the same thing. I'd get a little discouraged with you. I'd be a little frustrated that we keep going around the circle talking about um, how good it is to not have a, 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 an addiction anymore. And we're climbing the ladder up the 12 steps to the unknown God, but you, you're still on, on step number one. I'd be frustrated. And so some people tend to think that I can't come to God with this. He's sick of me. I can't come to God with this. He's mad at me. I can't come to God with this. After all the times I've failed, He's through with me. But God is mighty and despiseth not any. He doesn't despise you when you've shamed yourself. He doesn't despise you when you've defiled yourself. He doesn't despise you when you've fallen in the mud again. That's... Look, you've got a greater counselor than that. You've got a greater friend than that. There are things... Listen, I I think I've got some some good friends here. I do. That that belief gets shaken every time a bunch of people head out the door. And you think, well, who's next? You know, but but I, I think I've got some good friends here. But there is nobody here in whom I have enough confidence to tell you... All my hang-ups. I'm not going to do it. I'm not, we're, we're, let's, let's, let's have a men's meeting this Saturday, and we'll all tell each other what our lusts are, and what our secret sins are, and what our wrong thoughts are, so, you know, we can pray for each other. There'd be no men here on Sunday if we had a meeting like that on Saturday. You can't trust anybody with what goes on in your heart but God. But you can trust God with it. He knew it before you confessed it and He doesn't despise you. He watched you heading that way and He tried to stop you and He convicted you and He pleaded with you and He warned you. and Now He's chastening you, but He doesn't despise you. You ought to let the mighty God help you when nobody else will. 
Who could I turn to in this problem? Who could I go to with this situation? Who could I tell about that thing in my life? The only person that could ever help anyway. The mighty God. He's mighty good at cleaning dirty things. He's mighty good at washing filthy things. He's mighty good at changing wrong things. He's mighty. Your God's too small. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just telling you, your God's not big enough. You need to get a bigger God. The God of the Bible is bigger than the God you've been walking with. You won't let Him help you when you need help. You'll turn to anybody else and everybody else thinking some human could meet the need of your heart when it's the only one ever been able to is the Lord. God is mighty and despiseth not any. How about that? Psalm 24. Psalm number 24. <coughs> Psalm 24. Verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. That's the Lord. It's His. If I were to say it was His, it is His. If I were to say it will be His, it is His. Right now, if He want to come back and take over, He could. And the day He decides to, He will. Verse 7. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and... Be left up, ye everlasting doors, and the King, capital K, of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Of glory. Now that psalm, it's a, it's a beautiful psalm. It looks forward to the day when King Jesus returns to this earth and rides through the eastern gate of the city of Jerusalem and establishes his throne on this earth. But it can't just look there because those aren't everlasting doors, those aren't everlasting gates. Solomon built them, and Gentiles tore them down. They were rebuilt by Zerubbabel, and Gentiles tore them down. They'll be rebuilt during the tribulation time or before the tribulation time, and the Gentiles will tear them down. They'll be rebuilt in the millennial kingdom, and then the Bible says the present heavens and earth will pass away and melt with a fervent heat. And Lord rebuild. The gates of the city of Jerusalem are not everlasting. The doors to that holy city are not everlasting. So, who's this king returning triumphant through a set of gates? This psalm has reference to the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ, who left heaven as a king who came down here as a man, for 33 and one-half years, he defeated sin. On the cross at Calvary, he defeated Satan. In the tomb and on resurrection morning, he defeated death. Now let me ask you something. If he defeated sin and the devil and death, what's going on in your life that he can't handle? If he came to this earth as a man and was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin, what sin in your life can he not overcome? You need a bigger Jesus. I'm just telling you, in our minds, Obama's big. In our minds, the tax man is big. In our minds, the Gentile powers are big. And biggest of all is they. 
Did you hear what they did? I heard a program the other night about what they are doing. They have all kinds of power. They are looking into this and they are involved in that. And they are, ooh, look out for they. I bet you if Jesus Christ defeated sin and Satan and the grave, I bet he can whip they. How big is your God? Is he mighty or is he all mighty? This religious world's a mess, isn't it? Churches in apostasy, all of them. The Hindus are compromised, the Muslims are compromised, the Catholics are compromised, the animal rights lovers are compromised. Everybody's got a religion. They're not devoted to it. The average Baptist doesn't know any more about the Bible than a Presbyterian. The average Presbyterian doesn't know any more about the Bible than a Methodist. The average Methodist doesn't know any more about the Bible than his next door neighbor has never seen one. So you're going to sit around freaking out, worrying about what's going to happen in the world because of false religion? Or are you going to set your mind on Jesus Christ, the Almighty One who rose from the dead, who kicked Satan in the face and triumphed over him openly in his resurrection and has power, all power in heaven and earth given unto him? We just need, we just need to make our God bigger. The Bible talks about magnifying the Lord. You know, when you take a magnifying glass and look at something, it doesn't get any bigger, but it looks bigger because you're looking at it through a different lens. Too many Christians have turned the telescope around and God looks small and the world looks big. You need to flip that thing back around the way it should be. Let the world get small and God get big. Amen. All right. Of the, of the references to Almighty... God is being almighty. There are 57 of them in the Bible. 31 are in the book of Job. Now, that, to me, that's interesting. Job lost his career. Job lost his life savings. Job lost his children. Job lost his health. Job came that close... To lose in everything. And 31 times of the 57 times in the Bible, the book of Job says, God is almighty. If a man who buried 10 children had a, had a God-cursing wife, had friends that didn't understand his problems, if that man could view God as almighty, we could make him a little bigger in our lives. We don't estimate the Lord highly enough. We don't give Him enough glory. We don't give Him enough opportunity to do what He can do. He's almighty. Psalm 91. Psalm number 91. Psalm 91. Verse number 1. Psalm 91.1 He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. And from the noisome pestilence, he shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. How about that? Verse 9, Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy Habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. Okay. In, in my lifetime, I'll I, I tell you what happened to me. I was with a preacher in June. And we just, we're fellowshipping, we're going somewhere to eat lunch, passing out a few tracts, and walking through the town. And, and we got talking about 
um, shopping at Goodwill and thrift stores and secondhand stores. We've done that all our married lives, and he and his wife do that. And, and, and I said, I made the comment, or he made the comment, he said, I just can't believe people go in a, in a secondhand store and buy used underwear. I agreed with him. How many agree with that? I don't care how poor you are. You'd have to be able to scrape together enough to buy a three-pack at Walmart and not have to get used underwear. That just anyway. So he said. He said that, and I said. I said the only thing to be about that bad would be to sleep on a uh, to buy a used mattress. And he said, "What are you talking about? You sleep on one seven months out of the year." And I wish he hadn't said that. I'm, I'm always traveling. I'm always on the road. And, but now let's think about this. I have, I have stayed, I have visited some very, very, very nice places. I've stayed in some incredible rooms that churches have put me in. And I've stayed in some other places. I thought, there's no way this guy looked at this before he rented it. He, he wouldn't put his worst enemy in here. But I've stayed there. And then I packed my bags the next morning or two or three days. I've left and gone somewhere else. And so have you. Right? And we could say that was a pretty rough spot. Or we could say that was a really nice place to visit. Correct? Most Christians have found God's hotel a very nice place to visit. And they drop by once in a while and spend a little time there. But they don't dwell there. They don't abide there. They don't live there. You know what's going to keep you safe from fear? Not visiting the God Motel on your summer vacations. It's moving in to the house of the Lord. You know what's going to keep you from despair and keep you from defeat and keep sin from overrunning your life? It's not checking in at church once in a while when nothing else is going on. It's taking up residence under the shadow of His wings. Most Christians visit God. They don't live with Him. You know, the Bible says, Psalm 91, verse 1, He that dwelleth, dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Here's what Jesus said. He's, he stops on a hillside, and He's looking down over the city of Jerusalem. And He has just pronounced their destruction. Not one stone left upon another. This, all these buildings, all these things. And he sits and he looks down on that city and the Bible says he wept over the city. And he said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how oft would I have gathered thee as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but ye would not. Do you ever have chickens? I don't mean on the plate. I mean where they come from. Real chickens that run around out in the yard. Well, the, if you've ever raised boneless chickens, they don't run around out in the yard. They just they just lay there on the on the ground. And a real strange place is those farms where they raise the chicken wings. They just they just all laying out there in a row. But anyway, if you if you've ever raised real chickens. When, when that hawk screeches, those little chicks run right up to the mother hen and they get right up so close they can hear her heartbeat. And she puts her wings over the top of them and the hawk is just as big as it ever was. Its claws are just as sharp as they ever were, but those little chicks are no longer afraid because they're in a place of safety hidden from the hawk. Now, that hawk go after those little chicks. It's not, it's not going after mama because she's rough. She ran the rooster right out of that pen. That hawk ain't fooling with her. Amen. You know what we do? We stand there and look at the hawk. We tell the other chicks, have you seen that hawk? That's the biggest hawk I've ever seen. Yeah, that's a pretty big hawk, but I read about one on the Internet the other day that's coming, and it's the worst hawk ever. 
but we don't run to the Lord. We don't get right up next to His heartbeat and let Him cover us with His wings and stay there. He's the Almighty. But for many saved people, He's the last resort. For many saved people, He's where we've turned when we've run out of places to turn. May God help us to come to the Almighty. Now you just put in there whatever your problem is. You just put in there whatever your weakness is. You just put in there whatever your habit is. You just put in there whatever your, your areas of failure are. He is the Almighty. He's stronger than whatever's defeating you. Come back to Revelation chapter number 1. Back to Revelation 1. We had three of these to look at tonight. That's not going to happen. Revelation 1. Verse 8, the end of the verse, the Almighty. The Almighty. Let's examine just in this passage the Almighty. Verse number 5, from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness. There has never been a person come to earth who was mighty enough to do exactly what God wanted a man to do until Jesus came. He was mightier than human nature. He was mightier than human temptation. I just got this sin nature. Adam didn't have one and down he went. Don't blame your sin nature. The Bible says Jesus, we quoted earlier, He was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He was almighty when He walked this earth as a man and did always what the Father wanted done. Next, He is a faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead. Everybody went in that door, stayed dead unless God raised them from the dead, and then it was only temporary, and death came and got them again down the road. But Jesus went in there by His power and came out of there by His power. He's mightier than human temptation and sin. He's mightier than death and the grave. And He's the prince of the kings of the earth. Now, there's a there's a queen in England. Who knows why? I mean, it's bad enough to pay taxes for a government that's doing something, whether you agree with it or not, but they're paying taxes for some woman just sit in a palace and just sit there. But anyway, she got a son or a grandson or who knows what, how many generations down the line, and he's in line to sit on that throne. He's a prince in England who is going to one day sit on the throne of England. Whoop-de-doo. But there is, some, there is a prince, there's one prince, who is waiting in line to sit on every throne. Now think about that. Everywhere there is a king in power, the same prince is waiting to take his throne. The Bible doesn't say Jesus Christ is the prince of King David. He's the prince of the kings of the earth. He's going to take over the whole thing. So he's mightier than all the nations of men individually and all the nations of men combined. How about that? Verse number six, or five, I'm sorry. Unto him that loved us. So he's mightier than all our transgression. 
He's mightier than all our offenses. He's mightier than all the ways that we have sinned against a holy God. After all we've done, He loved us. Knowing all that we are, He loved us. And washed us from our sins in His own blood. He's mightier than every baptism that's ever been performed. He's mightier than every ritual that's ever been performed. He's mightier than every sacrament that's ever been carried out. He's mightier than every prayer that's ever been prayed. He's mightier than every good deed that every good deed doer has ever goodly done. Nothing could wash away one single sin from one single sinner. And Jesus with His blood cleansed them all. He's mighty. He's mighty. And hath made us kings and priests unto God His Father. Dim be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Hey, I'm not, I am not. I'm not making light of a bad situation. In this world, some of us can't get a diploma. In this world, some of us can't get a degree. In this world, some of us can't get admitted to the lodge. In this world, some of us can't get a decent job. In this world, some of us can't get a raise. In this, I mean, how, low, how far do you want to go? But the Lord, by His might, can take people who can't read, people who can't write, people who can't perform, people who can't get along, and He can make them kings and priests unto God. That's some might. Who else could do for you what Jesus has already done for you? He's almighty. So what do we do? When trouble comes, we look for somebody with a degree. How about God? When trouble comes, we look for somebody with some money. How about the Lord? When trouble comes, we look for somebody who's connected. How about the Lord? He's the almighty. Verse 7. <laughs> Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindred of the earth shall wail because of him, even so. Amen. 1950s, they shot some rockets up in the air. Some of them didn't get up in the air. Some of them burned up on the ground. Some of them fizzled out before they launched. Some of them went up and came back down, and they got together another billion dollars, and they sent a dog up there. He rode, rode around a little bit and came back. Then they sent a man up there. Then they sent two men up there. Then they sent three men up there. Then they landed some men in Utah at night, and they hopped around a little bit. And, oh, look, let's, let's say they went to the moon. Let's say they did. Let's, let's say it took the brains and the money and the technology and the science and the skill of the smartest people that ever lived working for decades to get one, one oversized Mountain Dew can with three men sitting inside of it up into space, around the moon. Two of them came down. The eagle has landed. One of them hopped off and misread his lines and got back on and they flew back up and came back down to earth. Okay, let, let's... Come on, if, if man did that, I'm not saying he didn't. If man did that, that's the biggest deal of all the big deals there have ever been. Come on, think about it. For men to launch a rocket from Titusville and people get out of that thing and walk on the moon and get back in it, come back down here, of all the big deals there have ever been, that's the biggest deal. It took the richest nation and the smartest nation and the taxinest nation and the, and the hard-workingest nation and we pulled it off. <coughs> That's a big deal. 
And Jesus says, watch this. And he gets on a horse. And he rides from the other end of all the solar systems and galaxies on a horse. He circles the earth with such glory and illumination and power that everybody on earth sees him. And then he lands, burns up all his enemies with the breath of his mouth and sets up a kingdom of a thousand years And you're going to trust a professor before him? You're going to say, well, science says before you trust him? You can't even ride a horse from here to Orlando. He can ride a horse through the universe. So you don't believe that, do you? What do you believe? Easter Bunny? What do you believe? Charlie Darwin? Yeah, I believe that. It's what it says. Revelation 19, coming on a white horse. Well, don't you think that's figurative language? Well, I don't know. He's got a a name written across his chest and on his thigh. What do you think chest and thigh symbolizes there? How come the only parts are symbolic or the parts are too big for you to believe? I believe it all. If the horse is not the horse, then Jesus isn't Jesus. It's all just some sort of comic book fairy tale thing. I believe the Bible. If Jesus, in one afternoon, can outdo the high watermark of all man's intelligence, science, technology, finances, if the best thing man ever did, Jesus can literally ride circles around it in one afternoon. He's the one you ought to be trusting. Not science, not technology, not the American financial system, not silver and gold in a sock somewhere. You ought to be trusting the Lord. He's the Almighty. One day every eye will see that. One day every tongue will confess that. One day every knee will bow before that. How about us tonight? I am Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, and which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. Amen. Your Jesus is the Almighty. May the Lord help me to think that way. May the Lord help me to live that way. He's too small. He needs to be bigger. Let's magnify the Lord together. Amen. Father, thank you.